When Naomi tried to smuggle her mother's ghost into the new country, she found herself being passed from one security officer to another, detailing her mother's place and date of death over and over again. Lightning Recap in My Country is a Ghost by Eugenia Triantafiu. Um, I'm sorry, my brain got caught up just in trying to pronounce that correctly and then went completely blank with just the word Triantafiu, like resounding through it. You almost might call it a haunting echo. Um, a woman goes to a country but cannot take her mother's ghost with her and must try and start anew. I wonder if you've got a little time. And you know what I wonder? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what I wonder? Who wrote the book of love? Uh, yes. But also, I wonder if we have a little podcast. By Jove, we do. And it is Short Story Short Podcast. I am Chris here today with Christy. And, you know, I'm just back from Hawaii, literally stepped off the plane onto ground and got to use the uh, pre-boarding ev- all the way, uh, which was great. Hawaiian Airlines is wonderful, but you know what it made me miss? Short stories. Well, I mean, they do not allow them on planes or in Hawaii. So um, I'm really surprised that you would set foot on a plane and go to a state where they don't allow short stories when we have a podcast with short story in the name. But you know what? I shouldn't question your judgment. I'm sure it's impeccable. Yeah, thanks, Obama. But uh, if I had read a story, what would I have read? Oh, yeah, there was a question there. Uh, My Country is a Ghost by Eugenia Triantafiu. Now, this story is remarkably beautiful densely layered and it's you know what it's an allegory really all right let's wheel it out wheel it out okay so it is an allegory for the entire concept of the diaspora and i happen to work in the diaspora adjacent world of uh armenian the armenian diaspora but i think it's a universal concept that we are When you come to a new country, particularly to America, you have to leave behind the figurative ghosts of your country, of your people, to come and be a part of your new country. And eventually, usually it's you just dive in and you try as much as possible to integrate yourself in that country. But then eventually you try and find a way to get your old country back at least in a degree and here that metaphor is brilliantly and beautifully embodied disembodied i don't know (laughs) (laughs) either one could work especially in this story yeah yeah and i think that is an absolutely beautiful summation of the diasporan experience that so many different cultures have experienced over the last ever Mm -hmm. you mentioned uh you working in a diaspora adjacent uh place and uh, i live in an area that was 
uh, a magnet for diasporas of all cultures um, because of, well, A, Pennsylvania is a lot like Germany. So a bunch of those, <laughs> lots of that. Um, it felt like home to them, just like how the Swedes went to Minnesota. <laughs> so it's, you know, there's, it's very German around here, but it's also very Polish and it's very Eastern European. There's a monument in a nearby town that was a coal mining town and it has the word for hello. And I think something like 40 different languages, because at one point in time, that's how many languages were spoken in that small town. Oh, interesting. And, you know, first, I am a Mexican. Uh, and so we have our thing, but we're also sort of, it, California started as somewhere else that belonged to us. So it's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of like when people tell someone who's Native American to go back to their own country or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, the only place you can do that, I believe, is Oklahoma. Um, if someone was raised in Oklahoma and they move out of Oklahoma, they can be legally told to go back to Oklahoma because that's a Native American country. And this has been the report. But uh, <laughs> there is a beautiful sense of both melancholy and hopefulness here yeah I, I think it's that bittersweetness that you said like like anytime that you have to assimilate into a culture where you have to choose what things you leave behind and what things you take with you and no matter how few things you choose to leave behind some they're still gonna hurt is still gonna have that that bitterness of of loss um, but there's also the sweetness of the future and of, of feeling that these things um, are part of you and, and can never be truly taken from you as long as you hold on to them dearly enough, which is what Niobe is trying to do with her you know, mother's ghost and her memories of who even she herself is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love, this is a character that I think we can all relate to in not only being you know, forced into a new, an entirely new world, but having the sense that there is something you have to leave behind. Yeah, that you, you don't have a choice. Um, you're being forced and essentially uh, that's what's happening with her, uh, you know, forced at, at customs to leave her mother's ghost behind. And yeah, so now she has to figure out what could, she can carry forward with her in this country and uh, what's going to be cut off from her. And this actually leads to an ending that to me is super sad, um, which is weird that it's both sad yet hopeful. It's great for World Goth Day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that today? Uh, was I think it was day before yesterday. I think it was Monday. Uh, and we were recording this on a Friday. So wait, no, it's time is a flat circle. <laughs> it is 1 a.m. on Saturday. I am ready to go to bed. No. <laughs> Time is an asterisk. Um, <laughs> and and you know you know what Kurt Vonnegut said asterisks look like. That's right. His wife. Um, but okay, the real answer is an asshole, which means the time is an asshole. See, see. <laughs> I wrap everything up in a bow a dirty bow <laughs> i was inspired by vonnegut so yeah it's gonna be a little dirty that's very but dignified true. dignified too 
dignified dirty is my second favorite type of dirty. Um, but uh, I think that we have here a view of a world that is both fantastical and realistic. I'm not going to say it's magical realism, but I'm just going to put that on the table. I would say magical realism, or at least nudging up against it. I wanted to comment that that dovetails nicely with something I wanted to bring up. We never really talk that much about names in fiction. And it's maybe not always germane to the conversation when we're talking about a short story, but I, we, we as writers, a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us take a lot of thought um, about what we're going to name our characters, especially main characters. Cause you have to live with that for as long as you're writing the story. And then if it gets published, you know, like every time you see it again, and also you want it to suit the story. You want it to suit the character. Neovi is such a perfect name for this particular if you want to say uh, magical realism, if you want to say some other subgenre or whatever, it's so perfect for that because it's familiar but different. It kind of sounds like Naomi, but it's also not. Mm -hmm. It's a, very much like what John Hodgman says in uh, further areas of my expertise, where he says uh, he had a name that sounded like a real name but wasn't, like Jace. And... <laughs> That's so true. Now, uh, but I think, you know, it's very much, you could tell this story with a name that is flat across many cultures, like uh, Anya or Anna. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really, I think giving a name that definitely has a ring of foreignness to it, but unrecognizable foreignness to it. Yeah, you can't pinpoint anything of, of its origin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this could be a, just as easily if I heard this uh, with, you know, Sorensen after it, I would have thought it was a Finnish name. Um, and, you know, there's that sort of, I'm not saying she is an every immigrant, but I think that the name actually is so different and so not something I've never heard it before. And in fact, until you pronounced it, I had no idea how it would be pronounced. <laughs> um I mean, that's my guess as to how it's pronounced. It's not a common name. Um, it's really uh, not out there very much as far as I, I'm, I'm. There's a couple submissions on names.org um, that su suggest it comes from the from Greek or from Australian, but derived from Greek. Um, but it just feels like that somebody's named their child Neovi and they're like here's what it means and whether or not that's true i don't know this is not the best source in the world sorry names.org but um so yeah i don't know if that's how you pronounce it but that's just how i would go with it and as soon as i pronounced it i felt like i was saying naomi but i wasn't and so yeah i think that's perfect and then another slick little thing that she does that i want to point out might may not have been on purpose i don't know is that in the very second paragraph all right we've been introduced to neovi in the second word in the second paragraph the security woman uh has a name tag that says stella so she's also she's establishing sort of the strangeness with a, a name that's less common and harder to pinpoint and then immediately grounds us with but this is in a world that is close to ours if it's adjacent mm -hmm. Yeah, and Stella as a name is, uh, you have the connection there as, because Stella as a name, if I hear the name Stella, I think it's just 
uh, your average run of a male woman probably working at a coffee shop. Um, oh, you don't think Stella? Oh, I do think Stella. <laughs> um, but I actually, but the fascinating thing is, this sort of actually ties into the story very nicely, and I'm going to sound smarter than I think I am. Um, Stella also has the tie to the stars. And that the she is representing the averageness of the average person in that universe. Whereas Stella has this grander thought if you look deep into it. And I like that that sort of compression, that likelihood is uh, all that the writer saw was the name Stella on a name tag once and decided, you know what? I could put that somewhere. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I, I also think it's sort of a preventative measure, the more I think about it, because you are you have her establishing that this is a different sort of world, you know, whether that's magical realism, whether that's fantasy, science fiction, we don't know just yet, although we lean towards something fantasy-wise because we've got the mother's ghost. But like, you know, hell, there have been quote-unquote ghosts on Doctor Who, so we still are caught kind of on the back foot. And then we get rushed in with the Stella, and that gives us that sort of an understanding of genre that we can only get through context and it's done so quickly that you don't even have a moment to 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 wonder oh wait what genre is this what subgenre is this it pretty much tells you just by giving you these two people's identities correct i like saying that because it's easy you do like saying it i like hearing it i like being right just ask my <laughs> husband <laughs> Well, I'm sure if he ever thinks you are, he'll tell you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still waiting. <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a beautiful story, and I'm so glad we read it. It came from our good friends at Uncanny, who I will be writing for in the next few days. <laughs> Very exciting. Yes, it's a nonfiction piece, or as I call it, still pays. <laughs> right. <laughs> writing is writing, man. More correct. Agreed. Hard agreed. <laughs> yes. Got anything else there, Christy? Okay, not on the story, but I had an idea and I thought it would be really fun if I just sprung it on you with no warning whatsoever because I am nice and thoughtful like that um, and not at all forgetful to bring things up before we're recording. What about, we don't have to do it every week, but at least sometimes ending an episode with uh, what we've been reading lately because I'm actually on more of a more of a reading kick than usual. So I've been reading more. And um, so I actually have something I could say. But <laughs> I totally agree. Um, why don't you go first, premier? That sounds like a good idea so that you can think about this thing that I've just sprung on you. Um, I am currently reading, oh. I'm reading the book. What's the matter? Am I frozen? Breaking up, but here, give me a, give me a, Check, check, check. Check, 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 check. Go for Good. it. Okay. Yeah. I, I am reading Burial Rights by Hannah Kent, uh, which is sort of, it's, it's actually called a speculative biography. So kind of in the vein of like Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates. Um, but this is about mm -hmm. uh, a woman who was part of a, a group of people who committed some pretty, a couple of heinous murders in Iceland, actually in the 1800s. Um, and so it, it kind of, the author follows 
her life and, and what she imagined her life was like uh, leading up to her uh, execution, which was the final execution in Iceland. So I'm reading that. And I'm also on a historical fiction kick. Um, so I'm just like tearing through a whole bunch of Philippa Gregory novels. Just she's got she's so prolific. I, this this will take me a bit. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been reading short stories, oddly enough. So um, weird. <laughs> there was an author who. There was an author who passed away in 2002 named jack haldeman or jay haldeman is what everyone called him um his brother was joe haldeman known best for the forever war but yeah, uh, jay was a fan yeah he's a wonderful guy i love i love joe um and his wife gay is amazing um but jay wrote wonderful sports science fiction stories and so i've been going back through old uh, asimov's and reading his stories that you know deal with uh space football um behemoth racing just uh, basically mastodons racing one another <laughs> and usually they're it's making commentary on the current state of sports in the 70s and so uh, i really he's one of those authors i really want to get back in the public eye because he's just so much fun that's a fascinating subgenre. um that's that's somebody who found a way to do two things that he liked that were very different and he just mashed them together and and it, you're very lucky when that when that works and it sounds like it did but yeah sports and science fiction i'm not saying you can't be fans of both i'm just saying they're kind of different worlds and that's uh that's impressive to me to be able to find that kind of niche so clearly mm -hmm. yeah and they both they both the big thing that uh, we did a whole issue about sports and uh, science fiction at one point was about how both established fandoms that become almost as important as the works they're based on. And uh, I like that. <laughs> and and that both of which could possibly be examined on the uh, Is This a Cult podcast or whatever it's called. <laughs> True. Hey, hey, Christy. Yes. What are we going to read for this podcast next week? For this podcast, short story, short podcast, we are going to read the short story, One Rapper's Dreams of FBI Stardom by Robbie Alamedine uh, on, uh, I found it on Literary Hub. So uh, that is the story we're going to read and then make a podcast about I love this idea. You know what we're going to call that podcast? Um, I think that we should call it Eating Cereal. ASMR. Correct. Uh, moist Mouth Noises is actually what we're going to call it. I hate you, Chris Garcia. <laughs> well, until we make those Moist Mouth Noises, this has been Short Story. Stop it! Short Podcast! Ah, no, no, no. <laughs> I love America. Um, stop recording.